Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking uh, on be the one and, uh, you know, the, the word that God has just really placed in my spirit has been follow. Um, just how we've gotten confused what God's called us to be as followers of Christ and a Christian. And we have people that call themselves Christians but aren't actually following Jesus. Say it again, Pastor. You have people that call themselves Christians, but they're not following Jesus. And how can we call ourselves Christians when we're not Christ-like? In order, Jesus never called the disciples to be Christians, but he did invite them to follow him. And I believe that we have to kind of get ourselves recalibrated once again to become followers of Christ. Because you can go to church and not be a follower of Jesus. You can sing in a worship team and not be a follower of Jesus. You can teach a class and not be a follower of Jesus. You can call yourself a Christian and not be a follower of Jesus. It's vital that if we are going to be a follower of Jesus, that we actually follow Jesus. Amen? I'm going to have you stand to your feet as you turn your Bibles to the book of John. When Jesus was walking on the beach, getting ready to start his ministry, he sees the disciples, potential disciples, Mending their nets and he tells them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says immediately they drop their nets and follow Jesus. I, I need you to understand the, the severity or the gravity of that call. When they left their nets, they weren't just walking away from their hobby. They were walking away from their livelihood. Jesus literally invited them out of their careers into following Jesus. And they left everything. They abandoned everything to follow him. If you haven't heard the earlier messages, go on our podcast and get caught up. But here, Jesus has his disciples. They're following him. They've made that choice to follow him. And now he's teaching and he has a crowd of people following him, about 5,000 that he feeds on this day. But the Bible says 5,000 men. All the men say amen. Amen. That was weak. All the men say amen. Amen. There you go. He feeds 5,000 men. And many biblical scholars say that it it was more than 5,000 people. There was only 5,000 men that they counted. Because in those days, they didn't count women and children. So if if half of those men were married, half of those men had the 2.2 kids then there was probably anywhere from 15,000 to 20,000 people that ate that day. It's a huge crowd. And after Jesus feeds them, this is where we pick up the story. In, uh, in the book of John, chapter 6, starting in verse 22, if you're there, say amen. amen. It says, the next day, when? So it's not the day they ate, it's the day after they ate. The crowd that had stayed on the shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place 
where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. Verse 24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus or his disciples were there. Now, Jesus didn't have a boat. He didn't go over with them. So this is where Jesus walks on water to get to the other side. We'll talk about that in a bit. Notice what happens. They got in their boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They're they're looking for Jesus. How many of you have ever looked for Jesus? That that he, he did something for you in your life that all of a sudden you found yourself pursuing him. Looking for him. That, that, he, that he had met a need in your life and now you are going to extreme measures to find him. This is where these people are at. They're, they're seeking him. No, notice what, with me what happens here. Verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice the, the, the dynamics that are going here. How many people has Jesus just fed? I think you're here. 15 to 20,000 people have fed by five loaves and two fish. All right? He's, he's fed them. I, I want to let you know we do have a nursery. So if your kids are getting a little uh, unruly or they'd rather talk and yell and compete with me, I can't compete with them. They're cuter than I am. Uh, if you could help us out by using the nursery, we'd appreciate that. Amen. Uh, I want you to understand what takes place here. I want you to recognize what's going on. We got fifteen to 20,000 people that have just been fed. Now, the disciples go to the other side of the lake in the only boat that Jesus that they had. And Jesus stays on this side. The Bible says that Jesus goes up to the mountain and he begins to pray for them. How many know that God is praying for you? Oh, no, you didn't, you didn't catch me. Jesus is praying for you. He, he's interceding for you. And he watches them as, as they're, they're going across on the boat. And the, the first half of the trip is easy. Have you ever been in a point in your life where everything goes easy? Man, you just, you're just sailing, no problem. No, you know, all of, you get money coming in the mail. Uh, your wife loves you. The, the, the cat and the dog love you. Your kids talk to you. Everything is going great. The life, is, life is great. You get a raise at work, and, you know, all of a sudden you find out you're getting more business. Things are going great. But then all of a sudden you hit those times that no matter how hard you work, you're not making any progress. A storm hits, and all of a sudden, the disciples find themselves not being able to progress anymore. It's then that Jesus is praying and sees them from the mountainside. This messes with our theology because we think that Jesus is always there when we go through our problems. But sometimes Jesus prays for us rather than delivers us. Say it again, Pastor, that sometimes God prays with us to find a way out of our storms rather than deliver us from our storm. Sometimes God will calm the storm. Sometimes he'll calm us. And in the midst of the storm that they're going through, Jesus comes walking on the water. And the Bible says that he would have passed them by. Read the Gospels. That he would have passed them 
by. Because what Jesus does in the midst of the storms of life that we go through, he comes just close enough that if you're looking for him, you'll find him. But the problem is many of us are more focused in on the storm than we are looking for Jesus. You're trying to navigate the storm instead of looking for evidence that Jesus is there. And you know the story that the, the, the disciples see that, it's, that, that someone's walking on the water. They get scared because the disciples didn't realize that Jesus had dominion over the water. In, in those days, it was thought that only demons had control of the storms. Sometimes we give too much credit to the enemy. Thinking that the enemy has more authority in certain arenas than God does. The Bible says in Psalms 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God, the storms belong to my God as well. God is in control of all things, no matter what you're going through. Now, now to make a long story short, Jesus, uh, that's where Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. Jesus takes him back and in the boat and they reach the other side. Now, when they reach the other side, it's there that the next day, all these people he just fed are searching for him. And they find Jesus. And when they find him, I want you to recognize they look for Jesus, but he had moved on. So they followed him. Everyone say followed. They followed him to the other side of the lake. Why? Because Jesus had met a need in them that caused them to seek after him. I want you to know that when God meets a need in your life, when God does something in your life, there's something that happens to you that causes you to pursue God. That, that I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that God has touched me. Times in my life that God has ministered to me. Times in my life that God has met a need that no one else could meet. And as a result, I find myself pursuing after God. And the people here, they had eaten of God. They ate the food that God provided for them. And so now they are seeking after him. And the reason, why are they going after him? Look at here in verse 26. Now, you would think that... It's good that they're following Jesus, right? Come on, church. You can talk to me. Y'all, y'all part of the C-Dub family know you can talk to me, all right? You would think it's a good thing that they're following him, but look what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. No, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. According to church growth experts, you shouldn't say stuff like that. You want your followers to continue to follow you? Come on, somebody. You, you don't say things like this. And Jesus go, is going right down to the motive of why they're following him. Only reason you're following me because I gave you a fish fillet yesterday. I gave you a fish sandwich, and just because of that, now you're following. You're just looking for another free meal. You're just looking for what else I can give to you. Some of you are only here because of what the church has given to you. You were broke one time, showed up, I gave you 20 bucks, and now you're here went looking for another 20. Oh, don't get nervous. You're like, I didn't know you did that, Pastor. Everyone's going to be coming up to me next week asking me, hey, can I get, can break me off a piece? Now, look, look, not only because you, not because you, uh, 
you're following me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. You don't understand why I really came, is what he's telling them. Look what he goes on, verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. You're following me because of physical needs. You're following me because, because of the, what I, the food I gave you. He says, spend your energy on eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For the God, the Father, has given me the seal of his approval. I want you to recognize that they were following Jesus for the wrong motives. And there's times in our lives that we can seek after God and do the right thing, but do it for the wrong reason. They were only there to get a free, free meal. And I'm, I'm here to ask you, what if? What if God never met another one of your needs? What if God never answered another, another one of your prayers? What if God never blessed your finances, never touched your marriage, never healed your body? If God never gave you another ounce of peace, would you still follow Jesus? And we're clapping, but we can't even come to church when God lets us down. We drive up and there's no parking in the front VIP section and we're out of here. Are we following after Christ just to get something? Why are you following Jesus? Come on, Pastor. You're, 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 I invited a friend this morning. Don't, don't, don't embarrass me like this. You always make us laugh. You make us, you know, you, you, you do, do your funny stuff again. See, what's happened in America today is that we've taken the gospel. And instead of the gospel changing us, we've changed the gospel. And we've turned the gospel into something that helps meet our needs rather than something that transforms us. We've taken it from following Jesus to Jesus, follow me. Come over here and take care of this. Come and bless this. Come and do this. Come and take care of this. And we treat God like a genie. That if we rub the lamp or we come to church and we say a certain prayer, that all of a sudden I get my three wishes. And we treat God as a, as a genie rather than recognizing it. And as a result, we end up creating a God of our imagination instead of serving a God that created us. And whenever we create a God from our imagination, that God is going to be too small to deliver us from our problems. Because whenever you create it, it's going to have a limitation. But when God's the one that is allowed to be God, there is no limitation. So I want you to notice that Jesus tells them that they're seeking him for the wrong reason. I want to take you on this. He's, saying, he's looking at them and saying, man, you got to get your priorities straight. And I'm speaking from the heart this morning that some of us need to get our priorities in order. We got to get our priorities straight. Now, now success is great. Family is, is, is important. But there's things that we've gotten out of whack that we're serving God for the wrong reasons. We're going, we got our priorities all screwed up. Look at John chapter 6, verse 28, the, the, the continuation of this. They, they walk up to Jesus and they tell Jesus this We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? In other words, hey, we don't want to have to go through this hunger thing again. 
How did you break the bread and and break the fish? And how how did you multiply that? We want to do that too. So that way we don't have to work again. That way we'll never be hungry. Come on, somebody. That way we'll never be hungry again. How do we do what you did? Jesus tells him this. This is, this is the only work that God wants, you, wants from you. You want to you wanna break bread? You want to multiply it? You, you don't need to do that. Only work that God wants you to do is this. Is believe in the one he sent. Believe in me. Not Pastor Dan, in Jesus. Believe in me. If you believe in me, if you, if you adhere in that word believe, literally means faith. It means adhering, relying on, putting your trust in. It's not just believing he exists because many people believe in the historical figure of Jesus. But do you believe in him as the son of God, as the Messiah, as the only hope? And Jesus goes, the, the people answer. Now, now, now take a look at, the, look at the audacity of these people. And we can look at them and, and, and kind of make fun, but... We do the same thing. Look at their response. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What? I just fed you yesterday. Fed 15,000 of you. Some of you even took food home that didn't even belong to you. You know how y'all be. (laughs) Hide a little sandwich here. Jesus is like, what do you think I just did? Well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What what, what can you do? That's what they ask him. What can you do? Show show us another sign. Do do something. Come on, Jesus, perform a miracle. Do do something for me. How many times do we come to God? If you want me to believe you, God, then then you, you, you get me out of this situation. God, that you take care of this situation. God, you deliver me from this. God, if you bless my, if you get me out of this financial crunch, if you get me out of this financial situation, if you heal my marriage, then I'll believe in you. And we put all these conditions on God. And he's like, wait a minute, you're, you're asking me to do something for you? What did I, who got you out of the last situation you were in? Who delivered you from the last struggle that you went through? Who do you think has carried you this far? And you want another sign and then another sign and another sign? What do you think I am? You think I'm a circus act just to keep you busy, to keep juggling all these needs that you have? You think I'm here for you? You're here for me. Sometimes we forget who God is. They tell him, do another miracle, feed us. Look at what Jesus says in verse 35. I love this conversation. Jesus tells him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Come on, somebody. You got to catch what's going on. Now, now, you got to imagine the people. They're standing here. Jesus tells them they're they're looking for more food. All right? They followed him. Look at the the, uh, efforts they go through in order to get a free meal. They go all the way across the lake to find Jesus for a free meal. People go through some extreme lengths to get something free. People love free things. Come on. You You know you're at the mall and they're giving something free away. You don't even need it and you get in line. You're in Costco. You ain't even hungry and you still get in line because it's free. 
Pastor Matt loves Costco's. And you can imagine the disciples thinking, dude, are you crazy? What do you mean eat of you, drink of you? Now, look, look, at, look at what happens here. And there's, I wonder if there's a coincidence in John 6, 6, 6. Look at what happens here. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They walked away. Because Jesus said something, I want you to capture what he's saying here, okay? What Jesus is saying, having an appetite is okay. The problem is, is you have the appetite for the wrong thing. Let me try this side. What Jesus was saying is that you're hungry for something. You're thirsty for something, but you're just hungry and thirsty for the wrong thing. It's like the woman at the well. She had five, she had, the the Bible says that she had five husbands and the one that she was with right now wasn't her husband. In other words, she was, she was at the well because she was thirsty. She was at the well because she wanted something to drink. She had five husbands because she was hungry for relationship and the guy that she was with right now wasn't meeting the need. She was hungry for something, thirsty for relationship. How many of us today are looking for hunger and thirsty and a relationship? Relationship and money and success and a drug and relationships and we're looking for all these things to satisfy what only the bread of life and the rivers of living water can meet. I love what Jesus does here in, in verse 66. They're, they're leaving. They're what? 15,000, 20,000, the disciples are, these brothers are like, they're, they're like rock stars right now. We were at the Super Bowl last week, and you got these people walking around, Vince Vaughn, you got uh, Shaquille O'Neal. We had access to the NFL tailgate, which only, invitation only to get there, and we got invited to go to this place, and we're, we're looking around like, oh my gosh, look at this place, and you know, free food everywhere, and we, we hit the free food. We're at all the, all the things, and we're, we're throwing down. My wife and I are walking up, and we're eating. After we get done eating at one place, we're like, wow, this was great. Then we walk through a whole other section. And you got Seal there, and he's singing. And you got all the VIPs of the NFL on another level there. And then you walk through, and there's a whole other section with more food. I was full by then. I'm looking at that. I said, man, I wanted that. I could have eaten that. But I, I, I was just so full, I couldn't do it. We, we, had, we had access to these places. And you look around the room, and you got, you got the band playing. You got all this, the, these things that are going on there. You got the crowds that, that, that are gathering there. You had access to this place. But I want you to notice that when Jesus, all these people that were crowded in this place, when they begin to leave Jesus, Jesus doesn't beg them to stay. Fifteen to 20,000 people immediately are gone. The disciples go from being the VIPs at the Super Bowl to just being, everyone's gone. No one else is calling their name. No one else is trying to get close to them. But Jesus doesn't beg them to stay. He lets them go. Look, look at verse 67. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and said, are you going to leave too? 
Oh, come on, somebody. The very 12 that he called at the, at the beach, uh, when he called Matthew, the tax collector, now he's down to 12. All the crowd is left, and he's left with 12 individuals, and he looks at them and said, are you going to leave as well? He's not begging them to say, hey, listen, I'll get you a mansion if you just hang with me a little longer. They have just gone from where their stock was Google stock all the way down to a penny stock. They've lost everything. They've lost all their, they've had a stock market crash in the business called Jesus Incorporated. Everything is gone. And the disciples have seen all their investment fall apart in one moment. When Jesus tells them, eat of me and drink of me. Why is that? Because Jesus never counted crowds. Jesus counted commitment. I had an individual this week tell me, Pastor, I can bring a thousand people into your church like that. So I'm not looking for a thousand people. I'm looking for a thousand disciples. Not looking for a crowd. Because if we get disciples, even just 12 of you, through Paragon, through Master's Commission, 12 people that are committed to Christ, that will commit their lives to following him, the multitudes will come. No, you didn't hear me. I'm talking people that are committed to following Jesus. Not Pastor Dan, Jesus. To becoming like Christ. Not CWC, Jesus. To following after Jesus. To doing what Jesus does. To living like Jesus lived. To go where Jesus went. To be Jesus' arms extended. Twelve individuals that could commit themselves to God. Now, look, look at what Simon Peter says. Is, uh, Vivi, if you could help me. I want you to notice this. Look in ver- verse 68. Simon Peter comes to Jesus. Now, he, he's hammered for so many things, but when this comes up, he comes to Jesus and says, where would we go? Where, where would we go? You have the words of life. You, you have, every time you speak, we eat. Every time you speak, it brings life to us. Every time a word is released by you, we, we, we come alive. It's like every time you speak, nour- nourishment comes to our body. I'm here to tell you that many of us have appetites for so many other things. That if you would just begin to eat of the word of God, and that you would allow God to speak to those areas of your life, you're not going to find it in the arms of a man. You're not going to find it in the arms of a woman. There's no amount of money that's going to fill that need. Jesus was telling them, there's only one person that can meet the need of your soul. There's only one person that can satisfy the hunger that is deep within. There's no food. There's no drug. There's no experience. I alone am the one that can fill that need. Me alone. Me alone. Can you keep following Jesus even when he stops giving you what you want? It's tough. I'm just being straight with you. I don't know at times if I, if I, if I could do that. I'm, that's tough. Could I stay committed to Christ even after he doesn't do what I want him to do? But God isn't worthy of praise because of what he does for me. 
God is worthy of praise because of who he is. We follow him because he knows the way to life. And I want to challenge you today to go after God. The Bible says, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for they shall be. The problem is, is that we're so filled up on the junk food of the world. You're filled up with the world's what the world has to offer, that you're not hungry for the things of God. I don't know, have you ever seen that Carl's Jr. commercial? Uh, any one of them. But it always ends up with this, a huge burger and a person standing there just getting ready to bite into it. And then all of a sudden, they take a big old bite. And even the sound, as they're biting into that big old juicy burger. If it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face. Remember that? You're getting hungry right now, aren't you? It's just something about, I, I could have just eaten. But whenever I see that commercial, there's something in me that for a moment, just a moment, I haven't had a burger from a fast food restaurant in a couple years. Yes, T. Yes, T. I haven't had a fast food burger in a couple years, but when I see that commercial, there's something in me for a moment. I'm telling you, Murphy, for a moment, I think, I'm going to get my keys and I'm going to run to Carl's Jr. and pick up the burger. <laughs> Every time I see that commercial, why? Because the hunger he has or she has for that burger makes me hungry. It awakens a hunger in me, even if I've eaten, to want to bite. Because they make it look so good. And do you realize that because you are hungry for things of this world instead of things for God, you have unknowingly at times drawn people into the things of the world instead of drawing them into the, 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 the body or the glory of God? That if you would just take time to start hungering and thirsting after righteousness in God and enjoying the blessings of God, enjoying, I tell you what, that's what I love about our worship team. When Troy begins to sing, there's something about Troy's hunger that you see Troy worshiping. It gets you to the point that you may not even feel like worshiping, but when he begins to sing and he opens his mouth, all of a sudden his hunger for God makes me hungry for the presence of God that I want to draw closer. I want to know God better. I want, I, want to, I want to taste what he's tasting. I want to challenge you this morning. Follow him. Develop an appetite for the presence of God. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.